the sticking your hand up the ass part is very important. Yeah. That's the best part. But for best access, initially, you might want to, like, make a fist and just jam it up in there. And then Scott appears! <laughs> Did someone say, asshole? Actually, yes! That's what I thought! <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm looking at who's on this podcast, I'm thinking, what's the most likely word being floated Specifically, around? sticking hands up, assholes! Yes, I was oh, just yeah. talking about fisting. Oh, it's so like Kermit the Frog's experience with Jim Henson. That is not entirely uh, that far from what we were talking about. Yeah. I I know. That's why I brought it up. The bugs I put in your houses work pretty good. So where's Hey Mickey? Somewhere here. <laughs> Quiet, you. Podcasts. The Final Frontier. These are the Star Trek episodes of the podcast Superhero Time. Our continuing mission? Explore old episodes of Star Trek, alienate even more listeners, and boldly plow your mom where no one has come before. Superhero Time presents that one episode of Star Trek. With Chris. It's like a fine wine made of bacon. Hey, Mickey. Come on, Paula Dean. You're slowing us down. Scott. I have pictures on my computer I really shouldn't. And Fort Max. XV doesn't like putting effort unless he can spite someone with it. So it's the uh, the end of the uh, <clears throat> mid-season for Star Trek Discovery. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, I want, I want... that kind of gimmickry makes total sense on a uh, internet-only streaming platform. Well, I think they're still filming and doing the post-production on the other yeah, episodes. It's post-production, so they want to get the show out because they were tired of delaying it. So it's, we can get half of it done first. Right, right. So I'm curious to see how this goes. So uh, hey, yeah, this was supposed to have been out originally like a year ago. Yes, well, that was never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, hey, Mickey, what do you think about this latest episode and where they're going? Um, How's your theory game holding up? I'm sorry? How's your theory game holding up? I don't even remember what that was. <laughs> uh, like, every you were saying everything that you've been speculating on has turned out to be right. I don't remember what I was... I, I have no knowledge of what you're talking about. <laughs> See, this is, I know you're off your game, because normally you would just say what happened, and then say, yeah, that's exactly what happened, so I was completely right. I'm trying to remember the episode, actually. Ooh, okay, so that that bad, huh? Well, no, I I just watched it a little distracted and didn't pay <laughs> <too> much attention. <laughs> All right, so XV, what about you? Cool. All right. There you have it, folks. <laughs> I got distracted. I was going to start watching it this weekend, but then I realized that Lucky Star was on Crunchyroll. I don't think that's really a valid excuse, but seeing as I can't remember what I watched like last evening, I don't think I'm a. I shouldn't be throwing stones from this glass house. (laughs) 
Scott, lead the way because my memory is not working right now. Well, that's you, fine. So you know how that we were, you know, kind of in doubt whether uh, Tyler was actually the Klingon or not. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay, yes. Um, maybe we're not in doubt about that anymore. Yeah, well, that's just it, though. I mean, it's something really weird, and he is connected to it some way or the other. I don't know exactly what it is, but I think all the okay. my theory is that the torture that he went through was the surgery to turn him human or do whatever transfer it was. Well, like maybe that, but also probably the torture he remembers was probably also conditioning to make him really believe he's a human. This thing is, I I think originally we all thought that he was a, a double agent, a spy. Mm-hmm. But now it looks like um, he really has been brainwashed into believing that he's human. Yeah, exactly. He he believes he's human, yeah. Which is a slightly different approach to it, because I assume that he was going to betray them all, but uh, apparently... They turned him into a sleeper. Well, yeah, yeah he's, he's a Manchurian candidate. Exactly. That's exactly the term I'd use, yeah. Um, I think it's really interesting how they're broaching the subject of... Uh, PTSD with a uh, male rape. Yes, because that's exactly that's what it is. Pretty bold for Star Trek to address. Yeah, but that's a good thing, you know. I mean, it's a good thing that Star Trek pushes boundaries. I like that. I mean, I, mean, I, was, I was waiting the whole like scene for the you know just to drop the term, say you know she was my rapist, basically. Right. Right. Yeah, and hey, we gotta see some Klingon titties. How about that? First time in history of Star Trek. We saw Klingon cleavage before, but never uh, such clear titties. I think that's also our first fully naked Klingon. Probably. Probably. I say probably as if I don't know for a fact that yes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, maybe. We have to review all the footage now. Maybe they slipped in a few, like, you know, screens or something. A few frames. (laughs) There are whore lights. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was interesting. I mean, poor Stamets. Oh, my God. I can't wait to see what happens to Stamets. All right. So, yeah, spoilers and all. I mean, so where do you, where does everyone think they are now? Because they are somewhere they don't recognize and they don't know. Well, I'm they, they set up right at the beginning, uh, you know, Chekhov's alternate universes. So they're in an alternate universe, I would say. Well, if you read the in, you know the interviews, what people said about the show, they've basically said, oh, yeah, we're going to the mirror universe. Okay, so... So, I mean, off-camera they've said, yeah, expect the Mirror Universe to show up. Uh, Therefore... So even setting that aside, even setting aside the, like, dialogue drop of we've charted what could be, like, pathways to other universes, when on that last jump the Discovery spun around, it had a splitting effect that we never saw it do before. Right. Um, Yep. Which, that doesn't necessarily equal to, well, we're in another universe now, but it's something completely different from what But if it means something different happened. Yeah, it's a different behavior. So, they're, they're somewhere off the rails. Oh, yeah. So, I'm thinking, because I think there are different universes, I think it'd be fucking hilarious if they jumped to the JJ universe for a little bit. <laughs> I'm serious. I am uh, dead serious. How one fucking thing that... hilarious that would be got pointed out to me is that um, right before they jumped, when Lorca pulls up his little chair console, mm-hmm. what he's doing, if you re- pause it and read it, he's doing an override on the destination. 
are you sure? Because I was watching that screen and just thinking how cool it was. You know, we actually got to see the interface a little bit. Really? Is that what he was doing? Uh, apparently, uh, from what I've read, is that uh, there's like an override line in between two of the destination jumps, between like the last one and the one before it. And like he's keying in an override of changing where they're going. Mm. See, I want I want screen caps. Screen. Yeah, uh, I could probably find them off Reddit, but I'm not going to lean forward to search for them. So. <laughs> <laughs> But no, that does make Conan? more sense, what we know of Lorca, of why would he let this useful tool of Stamets just quit? Well, yeah, and it's... also, like, presumably, you know, he's been ordered back to Starbase, and there's every reason to believe that, you know, they're going to take the crew off the ships, you know, study their progress and stuff. They're not going to be out there in the field for whatever period of time. At which point Admiral uh, Cornwall could probably, you know, put through the Lorca needs to be out of command for a while. Uh, you know, since she's going to make a recovery. So that agenda is going to be back on. Um, like, he's got every reason to try to delay or prevent going back to base right now. Yeah. And the mirror universe makes sense, too, because the first thing they saw when they got there was what they thought was Klingon wreckage. And I have to assume that the Terran Empire probably would be kicking the asses of their Klingons. Like, it just seems to kind of follow what we saw of them from around this time period the first time. They were the ones in charge of everything and, you know, killing everybody else. That's why later oh. we had the the Terrans be uh, the underclass and the Cardassians and Klingons be the ones uh, in control of the Quadrant because they rose up against their oppressors. Okay, I found the uh, the Reddit thread that uh, Hey Mickey was talking about with the, the very nice screenshots uh, of the control panel. Let's see here if I can just um, yeah whatever. So yeah, he goes so he goes to navigation control, puts in the spore jump coordinates, da, 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 and then it has the list of all the previous jumps, which I thought was just kind of a neat little thing, you know, all the 130 jumps they just did. And then there's 132, which is spore jump, blah 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 blah. And then there's an override in yellow, Lorca G, and then jump 133 to unknown. So there you go. <laughs> yep. Oh man, yeah, that's that's awesome. So Lorca did look confused though when they arrived somewhere. Yeah, and he was very cool to stand. With. I really loved that that scene of them looking at the uh, the shuttle bay and they had their their little moment. You know, it was very much like you know you done good soldier and you know let's go home. And I thought that was really cool. But if it was all a ploy or an act, wow. Ah, uh, Lorca. Yeah, yeah, yeah Lorca's great. <laughs> so one thing I one thing I do like about Lorca though, and something I you know again, his awesomeness of you can't just pin him down, is the fact that he keeps talking about, oh, we're gonna win this war, we're gonna win this war. But it's almost always followed by so we can go back to exploring and do what Starfleet does. Mm. You know, he's not this, you know, foaming at the mouth, just likes violence. I mean, he wants to get it over so we can go back to doing what Star Trek does. And, and Except... that's way a in the context that was presented this episode, like, yeah, it, it sounds cool and everything, but he's also talking to Stamets, the scientist who wants to go out and make breakthroughs and discoveries. Like, that could all just be part of buttering his bread for, you know, the oh. continuing process. Whereas, yeah. you have to think back to the awesome Mud episode where his science staff was trying to give him all these details. It's like, I literally do not care. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, he, he was definitely Lorca, buttering him up. 
Lorca but I, but still, is. He's made other comics. Lorca is a military Starfleet captain. Like he's in the position he is because that's his angle in Starfleet. You know, yeah, sure. He acknowledges Starfleet's primary duty is as an explorer, ex, as an exploration and scientific branch. But at the same time, he is absolutely one hundred percent military minded. Yeah, he does not yeah. care about it's... the science personally. Yeah. So yeah, but he he did a good job of burning up uh, Stamets, though. So yeah, yeah, I think you might be right. Yeah, because he said a few other things, but in that scene, it was really obvious. So yeah, maybe it was. Maybe it's just part of the ploy. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to see what happens. Then that's what's that's what's good about it. I want to know what happens next. Well, in like six weeks. Yeah, and another thing I like about Stamets, I know I keep going on about him, but his relationship with the with the doctor, I keep forgetting his name, uh, uh, Doctor Wet Nurse. Yeah, well, he. Uh, I mean, that, that's one of the most like believable relationships I've ever seen for some re- in Star Trek, anyway. It's because it's subtle. Yeah, like, I mean, it, it's, it, you know, like, they they put the seeds of it early in. If you were looking for it, then you know they made it be like, okay, this is a thing that's going on, but they're still not like beating you over the head with it. It just kind of allowed to take its forefront right. naturally. That's why it's believable. Well, and then, yeah, and they, they build up to it slowly, too. Because, like, in this last episode, you know, they see each other, and, like, I love you, and they kiss and everything. And it's just like, oh, wow, that, that it feels emotional. And you can actually feel the chemistry there. And that's something I'm not used to in Star Trek. Yeah, the relationship you know, I, is not defining the characters, which exactly. is something Star Trek is not good about or traditionally right. has not been. Yeah, I mean, it affects the characters as it should, but, yeah, it doesn't define them. You're yeah. right. Like Keiko, yeah, that's or, all she or is. Or Cassidy Yates. Right. Yeah. Well, she's, luckily the actress gets to do whatever she wants to now, so that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> she's actually gets to play a great character now, so. Uh, so Orville was fun. It's interesting. Um... Yeah. Okay, so I said this on Twitter, and it's pretty much the only thing I have to say about the episode. Um, it's plot resolution elements would have been a lot more potentially interesting if I hadn't seen them coming literally half an hour ahead. Sure. That's true. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I won't fault the way they went around getting to those points, but I still saw those coming from so early on, it just kind of took all the fun out of that. Well, that's generally the problem with Orville in a nutshell, is that it's just so derivative. Yeah. Mm. Well, yeah, and I, yeah, that's one thing I'm not going to argue against. It's not, it is, is, yeah, it's absolutely derivative. So I'm curious to see, like, in season two, if they finally get, okay, they get all that shit out of their system. They get, they get to, I don't say parody, but they get to get all those stories out of their system. And hopefully they'll move on to be more just Orville stuff instead of like, oh, well, this is how McFarlane wanted to do a Star Trek plot. You know? <laughs> the two things about this episode that I enjoyed were one, uh, Rob Lowe once again playing something in, someone uh-huh. impossibly sexy. <laughs> literally effortlessly sexy <laughs> right because right as we saw in parks and rec he does that role hilariously mm-hmm. um the other thing is i like the fact they had uh the captain bang a dude mm-hmm. yeah and be fine with it yeah yeah i mean that's you know again that's what i look at about star trek and, and these kind of shows is that science fiction i love it when science fiction is actually on the right side of history you know <laughs> So, you know, that, that that's just commonplace. That's just it's no big deal. It's not an issue anymore. 
So yeah, it's good to say. I will say I like the design of the alien that had the um, bone blade sticking out of the sides of the head. Yeah, like it's, so cool. it's it's stupid looking, but it's also cool looking. Mm-hmm. One of the colors and everything they chose, yeah. and just the the costumes were amazing. The makeup was amazing. I mean, it's a it's a sharp contrast. One thing I, I can never fault Orville for is bad production. Oh yeah, I'm in. In conceptually, it's a sharp contrast to what Discovery's doing with like Saru's prosthetics, but at the same time, if you're just going for that, you know, weird forehead thing, like Orville's really nailing that process. Mm-hmm. Like I can enjoy that, even if I think the results are like completely unrealistic. Yeah. yeah. Whereas Saru's like, if you told me there were actual humanoid aliens out in space, I could believe Saru would. That you know, <laughs> Saru's what one might look like. Right, right. Because yeah, it's just it's pretty... alien enough all over while still having the same basic shape. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very believable. Yeah. You know, it's very natural and believable. Which is, some are so goofy looking. It's like, well, no species actually evolved to have these big inconvenient things right. around them or whatever. Right, right. Those are called ears, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Look, ears are bullshit. Yeah. Well, I cut mine off. I thought it was to spite your face. No, that was my nose. Ah. Yeah. You cut so many things off, I just can't keep up anymore. I like everything smooth. You know, it makes me more aerodynamic. <laughs> Basically, like an uncut penis walking around. <laughs> oh, yeah. back on Discovery, the one thing I enjoyed yeah. is that we wrapped up the whole Klingon arc. Yeah, they destroyed the, the, the ship of the dead. ship. Yeah, the ship that did the mausoleum ship. Wow, I can't believe they actually did that. So yeah, it's gonna be an interesting dynamic to see now. Like, oh well, now we have a way to maybe detect their cloak and ducka ducka ducka. They're at least well, they would if they actually you know got the data back to Starfleet. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Womp, womp. <laughs> yeah, we no, were gonna. I like the um. I liked them actually having the tactical application of the jump drive. For once. Yes. I mean, when, they, when they did it like 130 times? Well, when they were well, using before jumps, that. when they were using the jumps to, you know, do hit and run attacks on the yes. on the Klingon ship. Like that's a, you know, that's the secret weapon angle the Klingons have been expecting the whole time. Right, right. And that was it was really cool. It was a good payoff for, you know, the the cutoff point for this part of the season. Mhm. Mm Yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking for the next part, no doubt. January seventh, right? Something like that, yeah. yeah. So make sure you cancel your all access pass today, and we'll renew it in January. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna save that eight dollars. God damn it! I mean, that eight dollars can buy you like um, what almost sixteen have Red Bulls, almost sixteen tacos at Jack in the Box. <laughs> But they're yeah, not as good the, as they used to be, though. But the hospital yeah. bill of, like, after you eat that many tacos is going to way outstrip the savings. I will have you know, when I was younger, <laughs> I could eat, like, 18 tacos in one go. Yeah. But you were very popular in high school. Although I also ate, uh, like, three pizzas in one sitting one time. And yeah. boy, if I ever told you about the way I ate on my 10th birthday, or was it my 11th? I can't remember. <laughs> you weren't. It was my eleventh. It was my eleventh. <laughs> okay. So much fun. Uh, yes. Well, what? 
No, you've never told us that. No, I said if I ever told you. Oh. Like, if I should ever choose to tell you that. Oh. You would be disgusted. Slightly more so. Perhaps even more so than that time I ate the five-year-old pizza. (laughs) But I don't think we were disgusted. I think we were more laughing at you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's fine. I'm used to that. Yeah, so as Discovery goes along with each episode, I'm more and more invested in it. As Orville goes along, I'm more and more losing the novelty. Hmm. Oops. Well, no, I mean, that's I, I can see that. Maybe Orville will start looking better for the next few weeks while there's not Discovery on at the same time to, you know, <laughs> make it look not as good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, probably. Also, you know, I, I can't stand by what I said earlier. Let, let's hope they kind of get all this kind of stuff out of the first season. And Maybe then they can second pick season. up some Star Trek Phase 2 scripts for uh, their second season. <laughs> right. <laughs> Only if there's a writer's strike. <laughs> yeah, I think Seth MacFarlane actually contractually owns the writers. <laughs> I don't know if they're allowed to not write for him. I think he just keeps them in a basement somewhere. That's what I'm thinking. But anywho. If there's a writer's strike, he'll just get the Family Guy writers to come and work for Orville. Would you be able to tell the difference? I think so. Oh, okay. For one thing, I can still stand to watch the Orville. (laughs) The Orville also does not have uh, five-minute-long cutaway gags every two minutes. That's true. There's, you know, subtle nuances like that. (laughs) (laughs) Subtle differences. No one in a chicken suit has showed up yet. Although I wouldn't rule that out either way. Yeah. Well, I've actually got to admire the restraint of not crossing over, because it's got to be tempting to put Easter eggs and shit like that to other stuff you've done. But then again, I've heard that that he is so sick of Family Guy. That by the time that he killed Brian the dog, that's when he was fucking done. Oh. So he's just really been phoning in ever since. You mean he wasn't since day one? I was going to say, can you actually <laughs> tell a difference? Well, yeah, I mean, because he's been working on this shit since the 90s. It's like his dream to have an animated series. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure he was putting everything into it before. But after like, it being canceled twice and coming back to life and zombified, he finally just got tired of that shit. Wait, it got canceled a second time? I don't know. It deserved to. <laughs> it deserved to be canceled uh, the first time, and, well, it deserved, if it got canceled a second, you know, let me see. It deserves <laughs> to get canceled twice without having uh, been brought back at all. <laughs> well, I mean, you could look at it as it got canceled once, and then it got cancelled from cancellation, which was the point it came back. Yeah. Just that, you know, when you reverse the reverse polarity, it becomes normal again. Turning positrons into electrons and electrons into positrons. I don't know what the fuck is going on. Speaking, uh, of, speaking of positrons, there's a second yeah. one. Because you see, Data has a positronic brain, and this week's episode is about Data. Oh, is it? And how he doesn't get a boner. 
Yeah. He it's he's fully functional though. He just has to uh, flip this vacuum. He has to flip this vacuum pump on real quick. <laughs> that's, that's not my bag, baby. <laughs> Spot goes running. Yeah, cat vacuums. Fat, right, right. Not insinuating that he's scared of getting fucked by data. I say, good. Yeah. So this week we're talking about the fourth season, next generation episode. In theory. No, we actually are. It's not. We're not just talking about it in theory. We're actually going to talk about it. Theoretically. <laughs> you have a degree in theoretical physics? Theoretically. Welcome aboard. <laughs> I theoretically yeah. have a degree. Okay. What? Look, someone's got to fill the silence around here, and I guess it's going to be me. <laughs> it is now, because you just volunteered to do the episode. Ha <laughs> you yeah. fool. Yeah, <laughs> Look, I got shit to do, man. I got Vegas tomorrow morning, so, I, you know, whatever I got to do to get... Yeah, you got shit to do. Like, uh, say, do the episode. <laughs> Jesus. Slave driver woman? Yeah, All right. Yeah, but this episode wasn't shit. No, it was actually pretty it's good. It's fucked Even... up. It's yeah. amazingly fucked up. Even Bessie liked it, you know. Especially kind of, you know, we we're talking about it afterwards, and it was like, yeah, this this is neat to see Data, the weirdness that Data is, <laughs> him being off-putting and strange and alien instead of yes, just being so Yes, and the so plot cute. of the episode just like leaning hard into that. Yeah, which is neat to see. Oh, yeah. Though I will say it overdoes it at points where, okay, now we're going to have him act incredibly, incredibly stereotypically robotic with his movements. I kind of yeah, like that, actually. Man. That was funny. It was funny, though. Because, <laughs> like, what he was doing was acting out the motions of what a computer would look like reading from its hard drive if it was a human shape. I guess just... the data's not the off-putting one in this episode. He's not the one that's disturbing. It's her. <laughs> it's, like, has... it's like watching a woman try to make out with a refrigerator. Ah, well, you see, the problem is... Uh, Jenna DeSora came from a completely failed relationship, and there were rebound games. Hmm. <laughs> oh. uh, that was rough, but yeah, it, was, it was worth it. That was a bumpy ride, but I, I, hold, I held on for it. <laughs> All right. I assume Data would also be a bumpy ride. No, he makes love like a metronome. <laughs> tick tock. You just dick, you dunk, slide dick, the th- you slide the thing down the shaft to uh, change the tempo. Right, well, you no, you turn it. It has like a little ring. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's like well, your wipers. We you put them on intermittent. I thought you turned. I thought you turned the ring. You set data to intermittent. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought I thought you turned the ring to um to telescope it out. I <laughs> go on, hey Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit, that was funny. All right, the important question here is: Does Data have foreskin? Did Zoom? Is that a Jewish name? I don't know. Uh, man, I don't know. All right, let's just go. All right, so we open up in the torpedo bay, if you know what I mean. Uh, Data's which is the only time with... you ever see the torpedo bay, which yeah, I Data's... think is a heavy redress of the second battle bridge set. Could be. Every set is a redress of the Battle Bridge set. Oh, but most of them are except, redresses of the... Except for the Battle Bridge set. <laughs> yeah, most of them are redresses of the first Battle Bridge set, which was not the same as the second Battle Bridge set, which I think this is a redress of in the Power Chamber. 
And he's, actually, he put both battle dress, battle, battle bridge pants <laughs> together. I am so get the main with bridge. this podcast. <laughs> I, am, <laughs> I could be packing right now. So what you're saying is we need to bridge the battle bridges. Yes. Okay. All right. So Data's playing with his torpedo. <laughs> no, that's later. <laughs> and some some clearly like neurotic blonde shows up. It's like ah, her makes up her makeup and lipsticks all like smeared on her cheeks and everything. Hair's all disheveled. Um, and they're trying. Okay, so the plot is they're the the, the Enterprise is going to go check out a dark matter nebula. So because it's dark matter, you can't see into. It. So they're clearly they need to put some photon, photon torpedoes in there to blow it up and light it up so they can see shit inside. Well, no, they're they're photon torpedoes, so they're going to go detonate and fill it with light so that they can see. It makes perfect sense. So what you're telling me the lights made out of photons? <laughs> what I'm saying is that they are going to blow up flashlights in the nebula. And that's the plot of the episode. Oh, okay. That that is literally the plot. And of the apparently, episode. they're using this to let them see the dark matter that you can't see at all. It's dark. Nebula is really dumb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely is full of <laughs> plot particles. Um, plot all right. Matter. So they're trying. Yeah, plot matter. Pl- plato matter. Or proto matter. Anyway, one thing is like the whole nebula. Plot is completely unnecessary to the the actual episode. Yeah, they just yeah, did especially because it wouldn't be sci-fi without some sci-fi shit going on. Yes, they needed a Star Trek element for this episode. Yeah. So Data and Jenna, I don't even know her last name. They're trying to so, modify the torpedo. Yeah, whatever. Uh, I don't care. Uh, is that's that not what you said though. So you know, <laughs> don't be surprised so, you got an answer. They're trying to to reconfigure the torpedoes to to you know blow up in the light so they can see everything or anything. So she immediately starts whining about her last relationship to Data, and Data's very polite. It's like, so what's the matter, honey? Tell me, tell Uncle Data what's going on. And she goes, "Man, it's stupid." And she's thinking about getting back with the next boyfriend, and he has to remind her for like a third time why that's not a good idea. So one of the morals of this episode is don't date in your workplace, especially if your workplace is also where you live for two or three years at a time with no opportunity to get anywhere else. And the lesson that apparently went and said is don't date your commanding officer. Yeah, that's another thing. We'll get to that in a minute. But yes, that is an excellent point. Well, technically, <laughs> well, Data's a different brand. Yeah, t- so. well, well, okay. Oh, okay, that's sticky, though, because I think Data is actually her boss's boss, so... Yeah. Well, then who is Data supposed to bang, Riker? Hey, I mean, you know, if if, if, they're, if they're into it... Or, or I, anyone that's not from Ops? I, hey, I always thought uh, Data and Picard had more of a connection, but, like... You know, your ship may I'm vary. I'm trying to imagine Data in Minuet's dress. Hey, hey Data, there, there smooth as a baby's people, bottom. There are all these people in red shirts and green shirts that he, uh, he could date. I'm sorry, green shirts? Sometimes, okay, blue. Sometimes they the blue looks a little green. Sometimes it's very green. Yeah. There doesn't seem to really be any rhyme or reason to it. But yeah, I mean, theoretically, he could date someone command division or someone science division and not, you know, have it in his chain of command. Right, but... yeah, the many civilians that live there. At the same he time, though, he is, he's second officer of the entire ship, so technically still everybody is under him, even if they're not in his direct division. Yeah, sometimes they're on top of him. Well, but that's where it all goes back to that 
don't Hal date Jenna here. Uh, it's really kind of inappropriate for doing this. Uh, yeah, I kind of agree. They're they they like they're coworkers, not just like coworkers on the same level or in the same department or something, but like yeah, he's like her immediate boss in this situation. So and he's got the emotional development of a toddler. Right. No, I, I don't think he has even that. Right. So when she, so when she leans in to kiss him, it feels a little rapey. I, I have to kind of agree, especially his reaction of just like, what's going on? What's happening? Uh-huh. When you kiss somebody, you don't want them thinking that. <laughs> Usually you want them thinking, yay! Not, oh my god, what is happening? Because then you have our current situation in Hollywood, <laughs> but anyway. Oh, I thought you were going to say um, that we have our podcast. <laughs> huh. What? Can Data be raped? Uh, Since he doesn't have any emotions. Well, that's the thing. Can he be annoyed? Because it, 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 part of this episode <laughs> like was, if, I was if thinking, there's If he like, can't have emotional so trauma... Well, I think technically he can, but I don't. I don't think rape necessarily means emotional trauma. It just means well, okay, yeah. Sex. I mean, against, uh, yes, yes, well. yes, yes. I'm saying like, if Data was raped and there was no physical damage, would he even care? Mm, not as much as he would care that like something else got damaged or he got told to do something else. From his right. perspective, probably not. It wouldn't be any more traumatic than someone forcing him to do something else, you know, or something else doing somebody else doing something to him that he doesn't want. Uh, the, the sexual aspect probably wouldn't have any extra blip to him, no. Yeah. I just want to apologize on behalf of everyone that we're even having this conversation. Hey, I, I mean, <laughs> these are these are robotic rights. I mean, these are Android rights. This just it's feels really life. uncomfortable to be talking about from our position. I mm-hmm. agree with you. <laughs> but that's what Star Trek's about, is, is discussing these uncomfortable things and boldly going where no asshole's gone before. So anyway, we all, but no one's saying, you know, it, it's okay. I mean, we're trying to define from his perspective, so. Right. I mean, you know, clearly we would not be okay with it being raped. <laughs> right. Point. But if he has no emotions, he would not have any emotional trauma. What, would he be that put out by it? I I, I I I can imagine that he would try to uh, look up to see what the proper reaction would be, and it would be uh, it would be about as convincing as him trying to laugh. Right. Uh, so yeah, he'd a, come a like over a fire. Then. <laughs> Rawr, I am so angry at you. Yeah. Well, I actually like the fight he has with him later on in the episode when he pretends to be angry. Yeah, can we just, like, move on to the episode to get to that? All right, so we're back up at the bridge. Uh, Data's just like, oh, it's going to be fascinating what you ruin more relationships. I'll keep observing you. So then we cut up to the bridge, <laughs> and they're ready to begin the first illumination test. Okay. All right. All right, so Worf has the job of finally shooting something that isn't even a ship. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> You know, so, if you yes, would just they... re- recommended that they use photon torpedoes, we probably could have skipped the entire episode. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So they shoot it in. The screens go down to the torpedo tube room, I guess. And she starts waxing poetic. Like, oh, it's like when I was a little girl watching fireworks. And she looks wistfully at Data, who's completely ignoring her. He's not ignoring her. He's oblivious. <laughs> There's an important difference. Ignoring her 
suggests that he is aware of slash acknowledges whatever's going on with her, and he is just choosing not to address it. Hey, whatever you got to tell yourself about that cute barista, man. I'm sure she's ignoring you on purpose. So is everybody else. I mean, what's the difference? <laughs> Did you guys hear something? All right. So anyway, uh, after the credits roll, cut down into apparently what is the most interesting thing that people do for entertainment the 24th century, and this still irritates me. It's a goddamn recital. And now for a musical interlude. Oh, God. Well, it's very public domain. Oh, so public domain. <laughs> I, well, I, let's take a moment to imagine, what if Data was interested in classical music? What if he was a big fan of Guar? <laughs> that would be right. So you see Data like in the giant odorous Arungus outfit stomping down, pretending to be brutal. <laughs> that would be scary. <laughs> I gotta say, that would be scary. Alright, so they get done with the recital, everything was fine. I now Keiko... want to order this. <laughs> so Keiko gets up and O'Brien comes in and goes, Oh, you're wonderful, honey. Oh, it's so wonderful being in a committed relationship. Let's do it in front of this single woman who has relationship problems. What an asshole. Now, now, what thing of the alien with the alien designs is what is that? What the heck, face? <laughs> Who is that guy playing the bassoon? Actually, I think, I think a, that might be a female. I think it's the Jizz Whaler. Scott, you can't say that on this podcast. <laughs> That's Star Trek. This is Star Trek, not Star Wars. So, I was going to point out that joke you made. Uh -huh. Ben made the same one, so. Your All humor's right. on par with Ben's. Hey, uh, hey, XB, how many more episodes of this shit do we have to put out with? <laughs> it could be worse. It could be like me and my with my humor being on par with Dawn's. Ooh. <laughs> my condolences. Uh, your condolence. Your You're condolence. the one who pointed it out. Doesn't mean that All it's right. still not sad. But generally, Port Max's puns are funnier than Dawn's. Yeah, but he literally made, uh, or she, sorry, literally made the same joke as Don. But it was funny when Fort Max said it. <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was the important part. It was certainly more brief when Fort Max said it. <laughs> Brevity's the soul of wit. So she, after the recital, everyone was like, oh, everyone did great. And she's like, and then she starts turning into female Barclays. Like, oh, I suck at this. I was terrible. I made all these mistakes. Oh, I'm so, I'm just a piece what of is, shit. I'm what complimentally, if, complimentally. What, so if the original, what if the original pitch for this episode was that the Genodosaur character was Barkley? And then Barkley and Data bang? Yeah. That could be interesting. <laughs> so anyway, she's low, like fishing for compliments. The Data just goes, no, you did all right. And then that was just all the positive reinforcement she needed to fall in love with him. I uh, found you to be completely adequate. I love you! <laughs> My hero! That's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. No one's oh, ever called honey. me even adequate. Oh, honey. <laughs> yeah. So I will say it does make sense that Data's the one playing the oboe, because he's the one probably... This ought to be good. Well, <laughs> he's probably the only person in existence that has enough control to make the oboe not sound entirely like crap. <laughs> this sounds like the voice of experience. 
I was going to say because everyone else picked all the good instruments. And they said, okay, I'll take oboe. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Glockenspiel? Fine. All right. So the, I want to see one of these. I want to see one of these events where Data wields a pipe organ in. <laughs> like holds it. <laughs> well, he is fully functional. Yeah. yeah. He does have a pipe organ. Three quarter inch. Um. All right. So we're coming to ten four after the concert. Uh, no, I will say is that that was a open. very annoyingly small uh, ensemble there because, like, normally you'd have maybe normally you'd have a second clarinet, a second flute. They couldn't afford to rent that many instruments. <laughs> Picard stole all the rest of the flutes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I a piccolo in there somewhere. Maybe a bass clarinet. I'll take all the rest of them. All the rest of them? No, that didn't work. Damn it. All right. Uh, all right. So we have Tim Ford and Keiko and O'Brien are talking to Data and, and Barkley, female Barkley. Barclay. Barclay. And yeah, Barclay. I can Bar- see this Barclata. working at Barclay uh, trying to work his way up. <laughs> so Keiko's telling the story about how disgusting Miles is. He leaves his cummy, crusty socks all over our apartment. They smell and like potatoes. Keiko is being here. They just kept piling up. So she one, goes right. One, one day, no, potatoes started sprouting from them. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Keiko's idea of interacting with friends is embarrassing her husband in front of them. Yeah, telling other people how disgusting well, he is. To be fair, embarrassing her husband is is everyone's hobby. <laughs> yeah, clearly the cat. <laughs> True. Yeah. So, yeah, he takes it good naturedly. He's like, oh, yeah, she picks up my socks now, like a good wife. Ha, 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 everyone laughs. He, he, he. Uh, Everyone laughs uncomfortably and looks around the room to see if anyone else feels horrified. (laughs) Right, right. Men are completely useless. Yeah. So then Barclett starts going, isn't that right, Data? And, like, holds him by the arm and looks lovingly in his eyes. Isn't that the kind of thing we do as a couple? He's like, what? (laughs) Couple? When she puts her hand on his arm, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, the look in his face is like, what is happening? (laughs) And he, and he, but he, he does keep up with the conversation though. Makes the same joke and everything. She like goes ha 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 and goes like spearmint gum commercial and lays on his shoulder. Uh, bitch, you crazy. You know better. Well, and her whole story is about how Data came over one day and said, "Bitch, your room is a mess." Mm-hmm. You are filthy and disgusting. Oh, nasty. That, but see, Data, what he did was he negged her on accident. So now <laughs> she's nailed with her. <laughs> Now, one thing is that, you know who I think had the worst time this episode? The cat? Us? The makeup people. Oh. Oh. Oh, yeah. I meant the viewers. <laughs> all right. So having to deal with all the data nice. makeup getting all over everyone, getting all over someone else. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard to get off of someone's inner thigh, let me tell you. <laughs> You've had some interesting con experiences, I can tell. <laughs> So are you doing like a gender swap data? No, that's fine. <laughs> Whatever, I'll take it. <laughs> I just love gold. Yeah, gold. <laughs> oh, man. All right, so we get back up on the bridge. And the look, look, all, all I can imagine is that maybe Brent Spiner has a restraining order out against you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not legally allowed to comment on that, so let's move on. <laughs> um, I love you, Spiny. So, uh, 
<laughs> so we get back on the bridge and they're still chucking torpedoes into this dark matter nebula because that's a good idea. Well, it's making pretty lights. It's so beautiful. Yeah. And well, how much do they glow in space? Destroying. All right, so they're figuring out there's all kind of neat shit in there. It's like, oh, uh, we don't know what planets look like instead of a dark matter nebula. Is there any in there? Yeah, there's a couple Class M somehow. So let's go check it out. So they just fly into the nebula. Whee! So, uh, uh, so we go down to Med Bay, uh, where, uh, <laughs> where, where Dr. Crusher is for some reason. I mean, I don't understand this scene at all. The it's... scene is, is that Crusher is in Med Bay and something rolls off the shelf. So she picks up a hypospray, <laughs> sets it down, and, and walks, walks off. off screen. And we never see her again. <sighs> The definition of contractual obligation. (laughs) I just like to imagine she spent her time just like sitting in her chair next to the next to the, you know, food service table, glaring at people. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we come back down to Torpedo Bay, and Data's doing all the work while fucking Jenna's laying there reminiscing and just daydreaming under a tree. Oh my god, yes! What the fuck? You're she the is worst. not doing her job, and Data's just letting her get away with it. Yeah. Well, you see that ring of gold around her mouth? <laughs> that ain't lipstick, honey. Um, <laughs> it's like she sucked off a Christmas ornament. All right. Um, all right, whatever. So she's like, oh, it'd be fun to go back to those old days when I was a kid. And Data's like, you're stupid. You can't go back in time. Except oh, for Data, all the times you, make- you actually could. Right. Oh, Daddy, you make me laugh. I don't know why I keep falling for the wrong man. I should fall for you, a different kind of wrong man. (laughs) (laughs) There's so much foreshadowing in this episode, I'm telling you. Yeah, and I like how he says, I don't have any emotions, but she's like, I'm not going to listen to reason or logic, but you give me so much. And he's like, no, really, I don't. I don't care about you at all. I'm incapable of caring of you. Oh, you, you only say that because you love me. All right. See, this is when they should have like uh, Counselor Troy to Holodeck Three. We've created an insane. Well, style. okay, I mean, one person no, in there. No, we, we have the uh, Counselor Troy bit in a little bit, which is valuable in its own right. Yeah, yeah, it was actually pretty good. <laughs> uh, so, like, she's been sitting there just dicking off for a half hour. She's like, "Oh, uh, I want to leave now. I'm done. Can I leave with your permission, Commander?" He's like, "Uh, yeah, you weren't doing anything anyway." To which she looks a little disappointed, and then goes, "You know what? Fuck it." And she goes in for a cheese, cheek kiss. Yeah, a cheese kiss. A cheese kiss. Well, it's, you know, that's what yeah, I she call figures, it. Oh. Okay, well, he gave me permission, so I guess that counts for kissing, too. <laughs> right, right. She didn't so, say what she was asking permission for. She just said, with your permission, Commander. Okay, so here's the part where I, I agree with Hamiki. It gets kind of creepy, because she goes in for the, the, yeah. the cheek kiss. He looks up and goes, okay, that was weird, and doesn't react positively. So she goes in for a mouth kiss. All right, if you kiss someone and they just stare at you blankly with no emotion on their face, you probably shouldn't try to kiss them again. Yeah, or you're an or you're a necrophiliac. If she had any human emotions, <laughs> she would see that uh, Data wasn't into that. I should back off. Right, and then she whipped out her dick and started masturbating in front of him. Oh, topical, topical. <sighs> Sorry. Yeah. So. Yeah, Data just goes, again, Data doesn't say a word. He just looks at her, 
And then she gets up and walks away. He doesn't go, well, that was nice, or thank you, or yes, or anything. He tries to keep a modicum of professionality and says nothing. And which is going to be interesting in Picard's report, because he's going to say, I don't know why Data waited so long to tell me about what happened to him. <laughs> Clearly, this is his fault, because he waited so long to mention it to anybody. Yeah, Data did have three divorces after this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we cut to uh, 10 forward, where Guinan, being the evil bitch that she is, is pouring Sunny D and Windex together. <laughs> <laughs> And all, all I have to say is, thank God Data was the one who walked in. Because <laughs> if it had been Jordy, he would have gone blind. Oh, well, let's see. No, Riker. Riker would have gone blind. Yeah, if you're already blind yeah. and you drink something like that, could you just, like, make you deaf instead? He'll <laughs> <laughs> make him see, but it'll just be nightmares. Nothing Get the images of demons here. out of my eyes. <laughs> Nothing that Whoopi does here says anything about this not being poison. <laughs> she stirs with a glass stick. Which and dissolves. she says, I heard about this concoction on another planet. I think it's wonderful. But I need a second opinion. She never thought that she drank it. Uh, yeah, I think it was probably made for bowlings, which means you'll instantly kill anybody else. <laughs> but okay, it's very, so it's very good it for bullying skin. So what's in it is Saurian brandy, holy shit, targ milk, do you know how hard it is to milk a targ? <laughs> and Denevian mead. Targ milk. Targ milk. I bet you targ milk comes out alcoholic. Oh, God. <laughs> it ferments in their body. That targ milk like, is like naturally spicy, like jalapenos. I bet, yes. I bet targ milk is spike, like has spikes in it naturally. It's, it's, you know, not spiked with alcohol. It has literal spines. You, so yeah, she asked Data what's his opinion of it. He can't even answer because like he doesn't have any opinions about flavor or taste. So now he starts explaining to her. Oh yeah, by the way, I'm banging a chick now. So smell my finger. <laughs> to which Guinan holds her finger up to her nose and goes, "Oh yeah, you're right." Aqua Guinan's like, "Hold the fuck up, what now?" <laughs> yeah, I love the look of joy in her face. Like, oh, this is juicy. <laughs> I've been alive this... for 500 years, and I never heard shit like this. Yeah, this is why I became a bartender here, crap like this. So uh, he's like, well, do you like her? He's like, oh, well, she's good at her job. And I'm thinking, lies. <laughs> he's already covering for her. So what about her personally? He's like, I look forward to seeing her, I guess. I mean, she's a little rapey, but otherwise... I mean, if you don't count that, I mean, yeah. Poor Data is like, I have no experience with this. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not emotionally capable of handling this. I am basically like a child, and I'm being taken advantage of. Please help me. Gunnan goes, <laughs> well, have fun. Yeah. So he turns around. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah. She's like, you know what? My entire species was wiped up by Borg, so bye. I like how Gunnan's response is, oh, no, I'm not going to put a stop to this early. I want to see how this plays out. She's like replicating popcorn. Mm-hmm. She's back in there, like, flipping switches, turning on, like, the internal sensors to just broadcast to the ship. <laughs> how you get a load of this? And so we go through this wonderful sequence of Data going to uh, all of the senior staff. Oh, God, First so he goes funny. to Jordy, because, of course, he's going to be the one with experience. Now, I do like they have the, they, they start tying in the B-plot to this, which is cool. So, Crusher, Hypo Spray fell, clumsy bitch. Uh, Spot gets out somehow. 
Uh, someone forgets to close the door. No one's been in there. They can't figure out what's going on. Uh, luckily, though, Spot didn't get phased into the floor, but eh, we'll get to that. So, yes, this is the part where he starts asking Jordy about relationship device, in which Jordy just laughs for about seven and a half minutes. <laughs> no, Scott, that was head, you. He shakes his head and walks out of the room without saying a <laughs> go, word. Go, go. See, okay, first, you, <laughs> go first, yeah. you make a hologram of her. <laughs> uh, go on that's as far as I've gotten I'll let you know as soon as the computer lets me back go in the holodeck to someone who is more, and I do like the just the go to someone who actually has more experience giving advice yeah and then cut to the counselor yeah so Jordy just basically because I don't know what the fuck is going on so bye so yes, so up to the counselor Troy. And Troy's like, this is some experiment, you monster. This is a human person with feelings unlike you. And then, so Data, and, and then Data says, so you think I shouldn't do this? And then for some reason, Troy's like, I'm not saying that. Whereas she should be saying, <clears throat> yes, stop this now. Stop well, this now. She is your, uh, I, she is under your command. Well, no, you gotta keep in mind that the counselor is bored. This is the 21st century in a perfect utopian society. She's bored as fuck. She's the fireman who's starting fires, so she has something to do. She's, like, already blocking off her calendar for Jenna to come in for, like, you know, the next two weeks. I mean, we've talked to some degree before about how Troy is actually a terrible therapist in Next Generation. Um, and this is just really <clears throat> deep proof of that, because I really think this is the point where she should be saying, Data, this is not something you should be doing to her. Yeah. You, you well, do yeah. not have any bad intentions, but she does not understand what she's going for, and you don't have the context to put a stop to this yourself. You need to back this off. So this is something that Vessie was saying. She was like, she didn't have any sympathy for, for Jenna at all, because Jenna was like, She's an engineer. She's in Starfleet. She knows data. She knows he can't do this stuff. She's doing this to herself, so I don't have any sympathy for her. And I was like, oh, that's a fair point, too. She's not going into this blind. She's not like she doesn't know who data is. She's going he into just it told stupid, her. though. Well, yeah, but people have the right to be stupid. Look at me. I'm on a fucking podcast talking about Star Trek. You think you got it bad? The rest of us have been here for eight years. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> uh, so anyway. So, yeah. Data, she And she says... Uh, yeah, we're all better than we're more than some of our parts, you know. Because data, I think you need to be more than some of your parts, which is interesting because by the episode's over, that doesn't happen. So basically, he's just a toaster. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she sets us up to go. Wow, data's going to grow as a as a being. No, no, we found one right. of data's limits. <laughs> yeah. All right. So of course, the next person after Troy would be Worf. They conquer what they desire. <laughs> Did is like, okay, and then walks past him and like tries to leave. <laughs> and then I love this. I, I do love this thing. Worf is like, uh, she serves under my command, and if you hurt her, I will kill you. <laughs> gives him the dad speech. I love that. <laughs> I love that Worf gives Data the dad speech. I will kill you, sir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't see it so much as a dad's speech as more of that's his little sister. Don't well, fuck with her. Well, either one, either yeah. kind of protective thing, I think is great. So I like how Riker's just hanging out in the observation lounge, <laughs> feet up on the desk, just chilling. I imagine he's just sitting there, just kind of like, you know, <laughs> while Data comes in. 
And Ryder could not be more entertained right now. Oh, he is so happy. (laughs) He probably is the first, he is, well, probably the second one going in uh, contact about this. (laughs) First, of course, would always be Picard. I like when they cut to Riker, the very first thing he says, you need to fuck this woman. <laughs> oh, yeah, immediately. Let me tell you, this is the point of relationships. Oh, you're going to be able to put your penis in her vagina or other orifice. I don't know. Uh, that's up to you. That's the fun part. Nobody knows. Um, try to avoid ass to mouth until you do a uh, you know cleaning regimen. Uh, but, yeah, this is going to be great. So stupid. The rewards are far greater than friendship. He's like, well, what do you mean? And the look on Riker's face of <laughs> butt stuff. <laughs> There's also, like, Data again says, you know, I, I don't have any feelings. I can't care for her. And for a second there, it looks like Riker's going to say, you know, Data, there's more to relationships than having feelings for each other. He's like, I don't have emotions. I thought Riker was going to say, yeah, you don't need emotions to be in a exactly, relationship. Exactly, yeah. exactly. That's what it looked like. His face, that's where it looked like that was going. That's so funny. Yeah. yeah. I love that. The, the Riker one's my favorite, though, because he's just like, yee. All right. So the Data immediately walks out of Riker. Like, but he's one of the... But I'm one of the two people on this ship who is, uh, that, well, I am one of two, uh, superior officers to him on the ship. I better actually do my job here. <laughs> Give actual advice. <laughs> so he immediately walks out. You can hear Riker laughing through the, through the doors as he yeah. walks out of the bridge. And I love how he comes stalking towards Picard, who, who feels the hairs at the back of his neck stand up. <laughs> oh shit, oh shit, oh shit! No, fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> God damn it. He's like, yeah, Data, I've Run heard. away! Yeah, th- this is a, just a fucking hilarious. <laughs> as soon as I have any advice about understanding women, I will let you know. <laughs> <laughs> he just walks away! <sighs> it is like, noted. <laughs> All right, so now we get into the swing of things of Data trying to do the dating thing. He's examined all the databases. He's read all the literature. Now he's well-equipped to start dating. So he has a bouquet of anemic-looking clowns. He's gone to... uh, I have all but... He's gone to... uh, Space Michaels. Well, he's gone to pretty much everyone whose name is in the opening credits for advice, except for uh, Beverly. Yeah, yeah because... that's a bit of an omission, isn't it? That could have been your contractually <laughs> obligated appearance. Well, no, he, he didn't... had to drop a hopper spray. Oh. It was vitally important to the plot. Yeah, he, yeah. Didn't need, he didn't need advice on how to deal with a dead spouse. He's trying to date. That's a good point. And she hasn't gotten mm-hmm. involved with the uh, grandmother's ghost boyfriend yet either. So, I mean. And Wes isn't in this episode. So, yeah, she's just out of luck. Is Wes yeah. even in this season? I don't yes. Know. <laughs> the first half of it. Um. All right, so Daddy comes in to Jenna's quarters and starts talking about how wonderfully adequate she is. So she starts trying to find a place to put the flowers, and her entire quarters is a fucking wreck. It's disgusting. So she takes out the dead flowers and just throws them on the table. <laughs> Data starts cleaning up immediately. Uh, so, I mean, is this also kind of a metaphor for trying to have a relationship with people who are on the spectrum? Or am I reading too much into it? 
Let's say reading too much into it. Yeah, I think I this is. Fine. I think this is a metaphor that was about really a trying thing to back in the nineties. I think this is a metaphor. About I trying mean, to have a... I actually have emotions, so. Oh, I thought we were accusing Jenna of being on the spectrum. Because um, <laughs> my I point, thought... was, my point was going to be, I think this is a, a metaphor for dating someone who's a complete wreck for you know a person. Yeah, Jenna. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. So uh, this this is actually one of my favorite lines in the uh, in the whole. Well, it's, like, it's, it's, people, it's the line. Oh, okay, that. Did you tell everybody in the crew? And he's like, no, actually, only less than 1% of the Enterprise's crew was involved. Yeah, which just, is just your boss and uh, his bosses and the one and only therapist on the entire ship. The, just the... Oh, and the bartender. Who yeah, never talks yeah, about the bartender. Oh, and uh, the bridge crew, the rest of the bridge crew. Yeah, and the guys who were sitting there, you know, piloting the ship while I was talking to Picard. <laughs> people who overheard everything. <laughs> oh, oh uh, and the bartender. <clears throat> yeah. The transporter chief, uh, and then there was that Klingon no, traitor, did and he? then, and then there was that subspace signal I sent out in a pulse, and then there's. Oh, I'm, the also, I'm also uh, recording this for my friend in the robotics division of uh, Starfleet Academy. Right, right. Or Starfleet Research, whatever. Yeah, Daystrom Institute. No, All and right. I'm also uh, giving the. Uh, and I'm also giving uh, the details to Giordi because. Uh, <laughs> Because apparently, because he's, yeah. Oh, he's well, by the way, your and your boss threatened me physically. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. So that's so, that's a great. Well, that's how he says hi. So yeah, that's a great exchange. And then the thing, the next line about the flowers with the uh, with the motions is also pretty excellent. Yeah, so he so he clicks up the apartment a little bit. He goes and to some couch. And also, just entering with honey, I'm home. Like that's, he, that's later. That's later. When, yeah. oh, oh, can we get there? <laughs> like apparently, he was also going to sitcoms for reference. Because that's a good idea, <laughs> especially honeymooners. That's why she came out with a black eye that one day. <laughs> to the moon, Alice. Ah, physical abuse, so funny. So right, she's asking um, about what the flowers are, and he's explaining, and he mentions that uh, Commander Riker said these have always worked for him, and then he just, like, holds his arms straight out as if he's expecting the embrace. Right. Or it's, her drop to her knees, because that works for Riper. Riker. <laughs> Riper. <laughs> All right, so yeah, they, they, they kind of go on, and he goes, oh, yeah, I'm, I've been prepared myself for the relationship, and I've got all these new programs and algorithms and stuff. She's like, oh, so I'm just another program in your head, huh? He's like, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> But you're a special program, right? I, I circled, I circled this program with a heart. <laughs> oh, it's so sweet. Then he grabs her and, like a mechanical front loader, pulls her in for a kiss. <laughs> <laughs> Get away from her, you bitch! Uh, all right, so we're back up on the bridge, and they're trying to get to the Class M planet in eleven hours. Apparently, they can't warp through this. So it's 11 hours, and Picard's like, oh, fuck this. I'm going to go read a book. <laughs> and then Jordy chimes in, well, you don't have to take my word for it. Oh, Jesus Christ, I hate you so much. <laughs> well done. <laughs> uh, so Picard comes in and then remembers what it's like to own a cat. Oh, fuck, everything on my table is now on the floor. See, I, like I, this, I, like I was thinking... Too. See, I was expecting that the B-Pot was going to be that spot was just uh, making mischief all over the right. all that over the be ship. great! <laughs> I've been killed the whole time! I know! That's why I was so disappointed! Because <laughs> it was like, 
So far, the two things are a thing got knocked out off a table. The and a cat, cat got, got out. Loose, yeah. And then more things got knocked off a table. <laughs> I'm seriously, why why wasn't the why wasn't the B plot just the cat is loose and knocking everything down because it's a cat? <laughs> One of my other favorite moments in the scene is here where he's like, Picard's underneath the table on his hands and knees. And he goes, Wolf, get in here. And he's like, okay. He's like, oh, and bring a tricorder. And that look of, God fucking damn it, on, <laughs> on Morph's face is so funny to me. So I imagine like, Wolf, come here. See if you can find me. How good are you at security? Where am I? You can't see me, can you? You don't know where I am. I'm just a disembodied voice. Oh, oh hello. I'm here. I was like asking Worf to bring a tricorder. Yeah. He's like, not a phaser? <laughs> right. Because I, like, I have... Like, Troy, come here and bring a phaser. And Wolf's like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't like how Worf he has, he goes to ask him. He's like, you didn't do that. No, I didn't do this. Okay, <laughs> Jesus. bastard. <laughs> well, you know, it's the process of deductive reasoning. You go from the most obvious solution and you just <laughs> narrow it down to whatever it is. I knew who's under the table with all this stuff. Yeah, really. Got you red-handed. Got you red-uniformed. Uh, yeah, it's World Warf is like, I just don't know how anybody could have got in here. Maybe it was your fish. <laughs> we, have a, we have a fish loose. We should go to Red Alert. No, well, no, And he no, also, no. like, you know, he steps over and checks the hall to what is apparently Picard's bathroom. Yes, it is. It's the, it's the head. Just in case. Yeah. Maybe somebody came up through the plumbing. <laughs> Sir, we've got gremlins. <laughs> well, with their they have let's see, well, Star Trek has dealt with uh Chuds? with uh, a with uh, entities that uh have traveled through pipes before. Uh, Warrior was, Brothers? Yeah, I think Oh, and it did happen in a episode of Deep Space Nine with Odo at one all, point. All of Riker's semen. All right, so uh, we'll cut down to Data's quarters, uh, who is sitting there enjoying his time off painting, you know, doing bachelor things and what he wants to, and suddenly he gets an uninvited guest who shows up and gives him a piece of shit. Oh, but we shouldn't we shouldn't jump off of the Picard and Worf scene yet, because it has uh, the oh. amazing two-in-a-row Worf <laughs> shutdown. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah we, do, we do get a two-hit combo on this. So we should go to it... alert. No. Yeah. <laughs> we should raise shields. No. Well, okay, so it's... Uh... We should go to Red Alert. I think that's a little premature. Okay, then I will assign a security guard to you. Oh, yeah, that's real nice. <laughs> no, no, I think just for right now, let's just, you know, be extra cautious and go about our business. You can go you now. like that, you know, the guard's <laughs> shit end up on the floor. Everyone to battle stations. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I can imagine Ray drinking shields. his. Yeah, I can imagine like drinking his tea. He kind of slips up and hits the ground. He goes, "Fuck it, red alert! Go to the neutral zone now." Whoop nine point nine seven. I'm just ready to make Worf get down there and pick all his stuff up. Yeah, he just kind of stands there and folds his arm and looks down at Worf. Well, <laughs> <sighs> yes, Captain. <laughs> Though I I am detecting cat hair. <laughs> oh, if only. Yeah. All right, so we're down in Data's quarters, and Jenna comes in with a piece of... She went to Pier 1. She went to Pier 1 and got a piece of... Uh, uh, oh, hell, what's that? that plastic, plastic stuff? Well, not plastic, but it's Lucite or something. Yeah, Lucite. There's a big chunk of Lucite. Oh, that's <laughs> a few case Enterprises in. 
Oh, that's right. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, he's basically like, oh, so you're giving me this because you think my, my cores are too Spartan. So this is a piece of artwork to, to make it nice. And she's like, yep, that's right. And the stupid thing about, oh, the cat's out of the bag. Oh, and he starts looking for Spot. It's like, oh, he's heard that metaphor before. Come on. He's like 20 or 30 years old at this point, right? And also, apparently, he needs art to uh, decorate the place that is full of art. Is full of his art. <laughs> Except he, doesn't, right. he doesn't really hang his paintings. He just paints no. them and they kind of disappear. <clears throat> he just puts them back in the replicator. Thank you. <laughs> yes, he just puts them right back in the replicator. <laughs> well, oh, I will always things. remember them. Why do I need to keep them? Exactly. They, he has a perfect memory of them down to like a molecular level. So it he can always just to, like... recreate them if he wants to see them again. Right. I could think that she saw his art. It's like, yeah, you need different decorations. <laughs> right. Here's an alien culture that only works in clear things you can't see. That's better than the art that we can see. <laughs> Yours is opaque. This is clear, but it's still better. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Right? Um, <laughs> so she starts quoting like some book, the Book of Love, which apparently is like a real thing in this. I think she's just making sure. I wonder who up. wrote it. Who, who wrote the Book of Love? No? Alright. Yeah. Okay. So she's like, this this whole scene is just kind of annoying. Because like she well, should so, know. So better is than... she. Oh, she's so annoying. Yeah, this is very sitcom y. It's some it's some bullshit. Yeah. Alright. So basically, okay, well I'm gonna leave. And he's like, okay, goodbye. And she's like, Oh, I don't really want to leave. You're supposed to stop me. And she's like, Okay. So I should do the opposite of what you say. Well, only in this case. Only when I say so, or when I want you to. You should basically read my mind. Women's right, they'd be uh, crazy. I wasn't gonna say it, but I'm glad you did. So anyways, he goes around know. his he goes around the his his quarters, placing it different places, which none of those to the satisfaction of of Jenna. Because like, I put uh, it here in the corner. Because yeah, well, I, really I could put it under this flattering light that makes it look nice. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put it right here on the refrigerator. <laughs> I'll put it right here in the middle of the table that isn't really big enough to have a uh, center decoration this size. You are rough. I'm not having Thanksgiving with you. Sheesh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now she's like, okay, go back to your painting. He's like, wait, wait a minute, you crazy bitch. She's like, no, really. He's like, okay. Hee <laughs> I've got him confused now. Now I own his ass. Bye. <laughs> Now he doesn't know what to say or think. I got him by the balls. Uh, I'll see you tonight, unless you forget to compliment my hair on the way out. Right. So she walks by, and her her sense of smug self-assurance causes part of the wall to fade away. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. I told you she was crazy. All right. So I wish I could have such a sense of smugness and self superiority that I can make reality warp around me. I do. <laughs> do yeah. <laughs> <Dumbass. sighs> All right. So they uh, back on the Picard's ready room or his office, and they go back to the bridge and stand on their marks and look at a bl- blue screen for a while. Uh, the planet's not there, by the way. I think the the, the gist of that is the planet's not there. That's Ooh, weird. What? How peculiar! Black haired. <laughs> Yeah, that is like, no, uh, the radiation says there's something there, but we can't see it. That's weird. So they look back up at the screen and, boop, there it is. 
what the goddamn fuck? We've never encountered weird anomalies in space before. What's going on? This is completely unprecedented. Yeah. We're in a dark matter nebula and there's weird things happening? We could not have predicted this. Weird things happening like uh, M-class planets. Yeah, in a nebula with no star. <laughs> what the fuck? You don't need a star to have a planet, Scott. Yeah, but if it would be M-class, you kind of do. No, you don't. What if it has, like, like, you know, a biosphere and internal heat? Ugh. All right, so something going on in the observation lounge. They walk in and... Well, yeah, so a hull breach is suddenly reported. Yeah. Or, no, uh, decompression's reported, but Worf can't detect a hull breach. Right, so they go into the observation lounge and some jackass has put all the tables on the... uh, all the chairs on the table like it's closing time at Wendy's. (laughs) (laughs) And they piled all the office furniture next to the window. Right. So now they're starting to figure out, oh shit, there are subspace distortions and things we couldn't detect before that's uh, causing things to phase in and out of reality. Well, that sucks. Okay, let's get out of here. Well, that might be a problem. Because getting in here was super easy, but getting out apparently is going to be ten times harder for some reason. Well, apparently they were just lucky to not run into much of this on the way in. Well, they need to increase their luck capacitors and turn them to full blast. But instead, the plot capacitors take over and override them. <laughs> um, no, sorry. It, the desire sensors are picking are picking up what they want to do. <laughs> <laughs> so so now, now, now we get this really creepy scene with Data walking to Jenna's apartment. Her, her quarters, rather. Uh, you know, honey, I'm home. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, she's like, oh, hey, uh, I made a mess again. Everything you cleaned up, I went ahead and made a mess of. So he goes in, kisses her on the cheek, and he tries to act normal for what he thinks is normal. Which is just weird for Data. Yeah, so now he, like, turns on the charm circuits and, like, hey, may I get you a drink, dear? And he gets all super fucking So he turned on the Shatner circuits? (laughs) Shatner channeling Shatner. And this is the part, too, where he starts doing the, uh, where Spiner starts doing the emoting in his uh, performance here of, like, what a computer would look like as it's reading from its hard drive. Every time you have to change tracks. Have you ever seen AI? No. The movie? Yes. Yes. Remember Gigolo Joe? Yeah. Of a robot trying to be sexy? Yes. This is what Data's doing. Well, or vice versa, rather. No, you're exactly right. And that was, it's a cool concept. I like that. I like that, you know, the mechanicalness. It's trying, because the whole point of that is it has to act a certain way and evoke an emotion. Of course, it's a machine, so it can't. So that uncanny valley is very interesting. So, yeah, he's, like, super cheesy and, like, just fawning over her. Yeah. Creepy. Brent Spiner's creepy. I said it. No one's disagreeing. Yeah, I know. I don't hear anybody going, well, wait a minute. So I like how she gets one sip and he takes the drink away from her. If I did that, I'd get slapped. You ever try to take a <laughs> glass of wine away from a European woman? Don't ever try that. <laughs> Come back I can drive. <laughs> come back with a nub. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Noggle. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Noggle. And then here we have Data singing some Italian song, which is really weird. 
And I think Pogo, who's a YouTube remix guy, uh, used some of these clips for one of his songs, which I really like. But anyway, I may put a link to that somewhere. Uh, and then Data, being all romantic, suddenly goes, uh, I could organize your closets. And that's when she realized, I'm not bad at relationships. I'm just a fag hag. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad somebody laughed. <laughs> Thank you, Mickey. I appreciate that. <laughs> I gambled. With that oh, sorry. One. I was just, I wasn't painting you. I was reading a really funny Marmaduke cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now I know you're lying. I've <laughs> <laughs> never read one of those. All right. So now she's starting to get weird out going, okay, you're not acting yourself. What's going on? He's like, oh, well, I'm trying really hard to, you know, be in a relationship and do all the things. Do you need more compliments? You're pretty. <laughs> I'm going to touch your face while I say it. And she's just like, no, this is weird. I like you being cold and mechanical. <laughs> Gross. This you know. is so <laughs> off-putting. Yeah. And he's like, well, what's the matter, bitch? You don't want me tending to your ever need and doing this stuff? I thought this is what you wanted. You know, because you were complaining about your last boyfriend not being emotional or giving you enough attention. Now I'm giving you attention. You don't like this either. What's wrong with you? And you can see, like, the smoke and sparks coming out of his ears as his pulse <laughs> starts rain. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to understand a female. And then he just snaps, starts yelling at her. It's like, you are not my mother. Fuck you. <laughs> Data, angry, angry data is scary. <laughs> he switches back to being normal data, which is just awesome. <laughs> like, oh, I thought fights were like good for relationships. So that's what I'm trying to do. And she's like, okay, I think I'm done. <laughs> data, go home. Go, go, go home. Yeah. He's trying to explain no why he's doing it and everything. So one subtle thing I like in this sequence is that data is using contractions only during the parts where he is emulating stuff he's read. Oh, that's an interesting point. Uh, I didn't the, notice. The same way he's imitating having an emotional response. Right, right. Because like, it's not that Data can't use contractions. It's just, like he can do that anytime he's uh, imitating, reciting, whatever. But his actual, his own speech does not include that. Do you ever see the movie The King's Speech? No. Okay, well, it's about uh, one of the kings like king oh, i forget the one in england like in the 1920s or 30s or whatever uh and he had a really bad stutter so basically to, to help people who have a stutter like that yes <laughs> you you teach them to sing what they're gonna say and that cha- that's a different part of the brain they use to communicate so once they learn to sing what they're saying and then they can slowly turn it into speech so you override the broken speech part of your brain and start using the singing part so this is it's like that he can use it when he's not using that part of his speech it's not his normal speech they kind of got lost there somewhere, but but yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. I thought it's interesting. So Data was singing all this? Yeah, god damn it. <laughs> no, because he was, you know, speaking in a different voice, he was able to do it. So I think that's a very he neat way to speak. He was, yes. <laughs> he was just Thacko. Data wouldn't need dice to DM. No, he, he random, yeah, he's got a random number generator. Yep. God, he'd be the worst min-maxer, though. Jesus. <laughs> it's a spike chain is then 10 feet away and hit you with range god damn it yeah I want to see Data actually DM a game <laughs> just see what he would come up with oh it'd be like Robin Hood it'd be so derivative <laughs> Robin All Hood right. mixed with Sherlock Holmes and Game of Thrones probably because it's <laughs> popular culture alright so they're up on the bridge trying to figure out what's going on they're like okay well we're stuck in here how the fuck do we get out so then they're starting noticing all these little anomalies starting to hit the ship big time now. 
So yeah, hull breaches and panels are disappearing, and even in engineering, of course, the L-carts, which is powered by the EPS conduits, goes away, so we do get shot by electroplasma. So the interesting thing is that Jordy identifies that as a uh, cryogenic control conduit. Yeah. I'm not really sure, A, what purpose that has in engineering, necessarily, and also why it still has uh, dangerous discharge when the circuit's exposed. Well, it's a control panel, and the deuterium and stuff they use for their fusion fuel has to be kept, like, near absolute zero. Okay. Yeah. I'll accept these things. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's Which is not that. something I usually say to Scott. <laughs> yeah. In this case, I was going to say, like, you, I was going to say, I would be surprised if uh, <clears throat> there wasn't something that needed to be, be kept at a very cold temperature that uh, was used with the warp drive. Yeah, yeah, because the deuterium and the matter and antimatter have to keep, be kept really cold to keep them stable. All right, uh, so uh, Thorne and some other nameless engineer chick are like, okay, Jordy's like, okay, well, you search here, you search here. I only have two engineering people. It's just the three of us running this ship. So <laughs> Do you, you go ever check see much of a part. staff in engineering? No, it's just Jordy. Um, so they're walking Voyager down the hall. has more of an engineering staff. That's true. There's always The tons ship of people needs more help for it, Max. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's that was worthy. Uh, so they're walking down the hall and say, "All right, Thorne, even though you just got blown to pieces by an EPS condo, but I want you to get right back to work." Uh, before he can scream like a woman, they hear a woman scream from down the corridor. They run around the corner, and the engineering chick is phased halfway through the floor. Uh so oh you my know, God. I I was thinking about this um, when I watched the episode several days ago, and honestly, she shouldn't be dead yet. No, so she, she should shouldn't. She's, yeah. like, perhaps mercifully she could be unconscious, but she should not be dead yet. No. Well, she should probably still be conscious. Um, yeah, she probably would still be conscious and when screaming. People get, like, and... When run over, people get run over by trains and their bodies get pinched. Yeah. They're typically uh, awake and alive for a while until the pressure is removed, and then they instantly bleed out and die. Yep. Like It's almost like explosive decompression at that point. All yeah. the blood just whoosh, and then <laughs> that's it. Like, yeah, they're like, typically pretty conscious up until that point. Yeah. And if she's phased in, her lungs are fine, her heart's fine, her brain's fine. Yeah, she should be screaming and thrashing around what she can. Yeah. Like, they took, like, 99% of the horror out of this and still left a hell of a lot of horror in this method of death. Yeah, it's like dead space shit right here. Meanwhile, though, if you're a deck below, all of a sudden some legs appear to see you, like, what the fuck? <laughs> Woohoo, free legs! Should we tickle them up? I mean, there's, no. there's, probably a, there's probably a Jeffrey's tube between every deck, right? So she's probably just, her legs are probably just in there. I don't know. But I like the imagery of your idea better. <laughs> right, yeah, like a family eating dinner, and all of a sudden, like, this woman's legs are dangling down. Ah! <laughs> of course, Troy just goes, ooh, new customers. <laughs> Those kids will need therapy. Uh, so we head back to the observation lounge, which I, I, I can only assume that Worf put back all the chairs back in place, because that's what he does now, is put furniture back in place. <laughs> Picard um, just, just stood there and pointed. <laughs> yeah, and just sat, you know, stared at him with his arms full to get it done. Um, <laughs> all right, so now we have it, we have on the on the big screen, uh, we show where the Enterprise is going through these little zones of gaps in the fabric of normal space, this dark matter nebula. Um yeah, so uh, they're kind of fun. And somehow these uh, gaps are in the better normal space aren't tearing through the entire ship as it passes through them. Well, there's a lot of air in the ship, and it doesn't seem to affect air. It just affects, you know, solid objects it touches. Yeah. In Terror. very specific localized areas instead of the 
entire path. Yes. Yeah, because air air isn't matter. It's air. It's one of the four elements. Right. It has no form. It doesn't really exist. Just like fire. Right. And all right. So and I and I assume water isn't affected either. Just earth, which I guess is <laughs> duranium. <solid stuff>. Yeah. <laughs> Anything that's solid has more earth in it. That's why it's solid. Like duranium. And, tr- and tritanium. <laughs> All right. So, anyways, well, they're and like, then oh, there's, then there's that annoying douchebag element, I guess. No, I'm. I can hear you. You know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> Look, right. I'm trying to make a uh, very roundabout Mystic Knights of Kiernanog joke. All right. Well, you guys go and do that, and let me know when you're done. Okay. I guess we're done. <laughs> All right, moving on. So they like, well, how are we going to get the ship out of here? This is really dangerous. We slid in, but now getting out is going to be hard. So we, we, can de- like, we can detect them, but they're so t- tightly packed together, we can't get the ship around them fast enough. Yeah, and they're all moving, and we're moving, and we can't get out. So we, if we can't see them from very far away. I think that was part of the problem. They're like too close by the time we spot them. So if we send less, a shuttlecraft, lit sensors turned up in front of us, it can like... Yeah, know, I like, I like how to respond to someone saying the ship's not maneuver, maneuverable enough to get around all of these. Worf is just like, a shuttle is more maneuverable. Is that, that really is like because... everyone out the shuttle one at a time? <laughs> right. Because <laughs> it's not even really like a suggestion. It's just like... This light bulb went on over Worf's head. Huh, the Enterprise isn't that maneuverable. A shuttle's more maneuverable than the Enterprise is. Huh. Worf, you're a genius. What? Huh? Yeah. I, I, I just I was just thinking about shuttle. Are we going to I don't really know what's going on. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah Worf, Worf, like, doesn't know what to do. Someone actually <laughs> he said something, and someone's like, good idea. <laughs> Let's he's gonna do be- that. And it's going to be so psychologically disruptive to him, Troy is somewhere going, yes, a new customer. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, well, don't, no, not somewhere. She's in 10 forwards eating her ice cream. Or is yeah. she drinking the Windex stuff guidance making? <laughs> <laughs> and then somewhere Beverly is standing next to a shelf where the hypo spray rolled off. It's like, ooh, a new customer. <laughs> All right, so we can walk out of the bridge. They said, okay, we're going to do the shuttlecraft thing. And Riker's like, okay, well, I'll go ahead and get on the shuttlecraft and do this. And then the weirdest part of this episode, in my opinion, is where Picard goes, no, no, I'll do it. Riker's like, the fuck? Um, and Picard no, actually says, I think our best chances for getting out of here are for me to be in the shuttle. Which makes no sense. I think yep. what he means to say is, my best chances for escaping this are to be in the shuttle. <laughs> because <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you've heard or not. But shuttlecraft are more maneuverable than the Enterprise. <laughs> That's where I want to be. I want to be on the maneuverable small thing that can escape this. So, bye! Listen, number one, your job is to protect the captain, right? Well, putting me on the shuttle on the way out of the nebula is protecting me. <laughs> That's the safest place for me to be. Bye! <laughs> Peace out, bitches. Alright, so yeah, so it's just becoming this little fucking Type 8 shuttle. Well, a smaller shuttle is more maneuverable than a bigger shuttle. I guess. Or says. <laughs> All right, so they get 32 million kilometers to go. So there's that. So now for the next 10 minutes, they just kind of... And the out this? there puttering around in his golf cart. <laughs> <laughs> <Wee>. <laughs> All right, so like literally for... Okay, for... God. 
So first they have yeah, the shuttle and the minutes. Enterprise's navigation systems mm-hmm. linked up, so Picard's literally in direct control of the Enterprise's maneuvers. Yeah, this is like putting a tow rope, like when your car gets towed on the freeway. It's really dangerous. Uh, all right, so they runs into things, and it's not working. They get almost there. The shuttlecraft explodes. Yes, they managed to get Picard off in time with the transporter. Okay, good. Let's go. <laughs> so now... So now they're at, the, they're at the fucking edge, and like, okay, fuck it, we're just going to go punch it. So then they just go fast, and then they make it out. Hooray! <laughs> but now it's we're funny, back. It's like when Rockers said punch it, they like drove straight into a giant one, they all died. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was expecting to happen. <sighs> but all now right, we're back to the real here. plot. All right. So Picard was like, well, that was stupid. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get back to the A plot. <clears throat> so, again, because Data's not picking up on any of these signals, he's got a romantic dinner waiting for Jenna, who comes in... <laughs> what the fuck is she wearing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's all dark in there. He's decorated. He's got a nice dinner plan for him. She comes in all dressed up with her earrings and everything because she wanted to get dressed up and sexy to dump him. Just mean. Just mean. He goes, Yeah, you're repeating yourself. What's up? So he finally gets out of her that's like, Yeah, this isn't gonna work. And she's like, Yeah. So we're not boyfriend girlfriend anymore? She's like, No. He's like, Okay. Bye. See you tomorrow. Bye bye. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was stupid. And then Data ends the episode sitting in the dark petting his cat. Yeah. Which as Star Trek fans, we can all relate. That was it. <laughs> Woohoo! Kind of a low stake. Yeah, there's a couple problematic concepts. So I, I got to thinking that maybe a better resolution for this episode would be to not have had it where she starts to realize the mistake she's made and wants to get out of the relationship, but to instead have her be killed by these uh, spatial anomalies. And in the end, they did just like, oh, huh. Okay, then. Yeah. Yeah, because my memories of this episode was the person who died in the hallway was her. Because oh. I had seen this episode for 30 years, you know, so I got thinking about it. I was like, wait, is that how this is? Is it she's the one who dies in the hallway and then Data has to help solve the problem? And then the fact that he doesn't feel guilt or remorse or miss her at all, that's part of the issue? Because that would have been so much darker. I mean, he might miss her, but he would never be, like, sad for her loss. Yeah. Like, her, the loss it's of like her was not him. Tasha's sister. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, it would exactly be that. I think that, that would have been... he had gotten used to her presence. <laughs> right. But at the same time... Like that awful art thing she got him. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Well, he doesn't need it anymore. He can just throw it back in the replicator because he doesn't need it anymore. <laughs> well, no, now he can put it wherever he wants to. Yeah, like in the goddamn corner where it belongs. <laughs> With the flattering light. Yes. <laughs> That is the right place for it. Why are you arguing with me about this? <laughs> no, I, I'm not. This isn't a matter of opinion. I am a computer. I'm telling you this is the optimal spot, and you want to argue with me. I literally have light sensors in my head. <laughs> Don't we all? Well, not Jordan. Listen, you. <laughs> no, no, he does. He does. They go work well, but he does. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, well, 
Yeah, this is an amazingly messed up episode. I'm kind of impressed that they actually did it. Yeah, they could have gone several ways with it. And honestly, the way they kind of went with it was a little unsatisfying, honestly. Also unsettling. Yeah, it could. I wish it had been more unsettling, though. That's the thing. Yeah. I mean, it certainly could have stood to be a little bit more, but I think, like, I think they got their their concept out of it. Assuming their concept it. was Data is and always will be an alien among this crew, no matter how much he tries to fit in. Right, and you probably shouldn't date an android with the emotional development of a fetus. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So what lessons we learned, people? Jenna Desora comes from a completely failed relationship. And if someone's going to pilot a small ship, it should definitely be Troy. She would have found that planet no problem if she were piloting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I didn't think of that earlier. <laughs> Because, again, she was just contractually obligated to be present in the episode. She wasn't actually involved. Yeah. Uh, they could have just as easily had her walk by a table and her chocolate fall on the floor mysteriously. No! Every bite. Then she would have needed the, the therapist to get her through. First you swirl chocolate around the outside. Oh my god. Around the rim and just... Just rim that glass of the chocolate. Just run your tongue all along the edge in the outer rim. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. I hear you typing. Oh, this is for something else. <laughs> okay. I, I'm not putting down intro quotes right now. That's yeah, fine. Well, you've only got, what, like eight more episodes to do these, so... Yeah, I kind of have to, like, uh, you know, back off on that a little bit anyway. Yeah. Knock yourself out. No, we actually had someone uh, write in over the weekend with a suggestion for... What? What? We have a mailbox? Allegedly. We have people who write in? It was yeah, Kilby, wasn't it? I mean, it could have been because Kilby forwarded it to me, so it would be easy enough for him to just fake it. But um, we do have a <laughs> suggestion for um, an, an episode to do before we end the series. And looking over the summary of it on Memory Alpha, I am almost in favor of it at least giving <clears> it a try. How <sighs> mysterious. Oh, you actually linked it. Never mind. Yes. Oh, yeah, this one. Oh, I remember this one. Ew. This is Voyager, though. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's fine. I don't care. <laughs> oh, I think one of the things they pick about this is that they mentioned Neelix's singular lung. Yeah, that was a nice coincidence. Yeah. It's a nice little tie-in. Continuity. Mm-hmm. I love it. Hey, well, I'm, I'm up for whatever. I got no dog in the fight. You guys, we can do whatever episode we want. <laughs> I don't care. I'll take a look at this during the week and make sure it's, uh, make sure I don't enjoy it, because that would probably mean it's good for podcasting. Mm-hmm. Since if I enjoy an episode, it usually isn't. <laughs> yeah. Except for this week, because I really enjoyed this Next Generation episode. It was interesting. I mean, it was it was it was interesting. 
Well, I enjoyed it. My alley of the the right kind of terrible. Well, my thing is, it, it didn't come away with any kind of like lesson, or we didn't really seem to learn anything besides the fact that data is it really is doesn't have any emotions. I think we already kind of knew that, but it was weird to see they had to prove it somehow. I mean, they they spent an entire episode plot just on saying, you know, Data can't date anybody because he doesn't have feelings. Right. And, you know, in the process, completely emotionally destroy this person. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Well, she had it coming. She knew what she was getting into. Like I said, I don't have much sympathy for her either. Well, that's the thing, too. Like, she might have been perfectly fine, at least in the short term, if Data had just been, had kept on just being Data and didn't try to be relationship Data. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's true. Cause so you can somebody... fake a relationship by doing that for like practically forever. Because I yeah. think all she was really interested in was having like a presence next to her and also a sex toy. Right. So what's that saying? Women can fake orgasm orgasms, but men can fake entire relationships. Oh, I fake plenty of both. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yep, th- that was great. Um, I'm just going to put this condom away. Don't look at it. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because that's the funny thing. If he would have been, like, stayed normal, it probably worked out a lot better because he would have been acting like, quote, himself. Yeah. Which is, which is what she wanted. So, yeah. It would have taken so, her longer to realize there was a problem. So is is the lesson here, guys, don't try too hard? The Just lesson is don't engage the Riker protocol randomly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta be a little selective. Yeah. Can I get you a sherry? <laughs> What's your Lego name and chair. tell me you love jazz? Would be great if he had said that. <laughs> I still like it. Take off your shoes and get comfortable putting your feet on this hard glass table. Yes. <laughs> And I don't know about ow, you, but ow, I ow. tend to, I, like, for me, the feeling of having my legs elevated onto a surface like that is less comfortable than just sitting normally. <clears throat> like, sure, if I'm reclining more, it's fine, but if I'm, you know, sitting on the couch or something, I don't want to really have my legs up. Oh, i got to find this thing. What... Well, it's that, it's that music video by the, uh, that YouTube guy called Pogo, who did the uh, this remix of TNG. It's really good. I'll see if I can find it. Well, anyway, our candidate episode for next week is uh, Season 3 Voyager, uh, Episode 12, Macrocosm. I remember the episode. I remember it being really weird and gross. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is going to be gross, and it's also kind of weird. Uh, which sounds like it's perfect fodder for us. So, I mean, are you going to watch it and then let us know if we're going to watch it? Or do you yeah, I'll, go I'll give it a screening during or... the week. Okay. If not, we can probably do something that's like still sitting on the list. As an emergency backup. Yeah. As our secondary backup. I wouldn't get caught without a secondary backup. Right? Ah, here it is. Copy. Paste. I mean, it's it's a whole music video, so it's you know watching your own time. All right, so Macrocosm, we'll we'll see. Uh, okay, just based the, on the uh... title, I kind of wish it was a video of Data and Picard on pogo sticks. <laughs> <laughs> Wee! <laughs> Isn't 
this fun. Well, they do everything else together. Back, back to the academy. This is how we get around. They're the in the cargo containers of the Argo. Ugh. Okay, so we have a. Uh, all right, so a uh, piece of the action: rascals and pen pals. So out of those three, do we want to do another one? Out of those three, uh, we'll, we'll pick something if we have to. Yeah. It's okay. not important right now. That's fine. All right. Uh, anybody got anything else? Anything else interesting going on in our worlds? I need to poop. Uh, that is pretty interesting. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's an extreme relevance to me. Well, the the fact that you're actually going to try to be a little bit less full of shit, I think, is interesting to everybody. Only temporarily. <laughs> until I go, until I go eat eighteen tacos. <laughs> oh, I haven't been able to do that in years. I miss it a lot. Yeah, being a teenager is awesome. You can just yeah. Just, I, I miss those that's days the, too. That's the only thing. thing that was... I remember being a teenager than I do because I remember being bullshit. No, I was gonna say that's the only thing that was awesome about being a teenager was the way I could eat. Right, right, right. No, everything yeah, else was terrible. Or you could just do whatever, and it wouldn't be killing you with pain the next day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Or immediately. <laughs> yeah. You could be like yeah, sitting no, no. around and not randomly be in intense pain somewhere in your body. Yeah. Hey, Mickey's right though. I wouldn't go back to being a teenager for like anything. Could sleep through the whole night. Yeah. I do that all the time. That's what whiskey's for. Uh... Mm-hmm. Better living through chemistry. <laughs> 